The comments within the following podcast are those of any show hosts and not representative of any company in which the show hosts may represent. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to podcast number 295. I am Jared Reimer, and I hope that you will enjoy the program as much as I have bringing it together for you. We are packed with lots of various items and for links to various articles that might have been covered, please make sure you view our show notes on the blog and on the RSS feed. iOS 12.1 is now out. Three different related bugs in the accessibility field were fixed, along with other security stuff and a whole lot more. I'll talk about that in the first segment. What do you get with a banking trojan that just never gives up? And what do you get when we know we've been covering this type of story for many years, but yet it sounds vaguely familiar, but yet you don't really remember much of it? You get TrickBot. It's back because it has new tricks. It comes now with a password stealing grabber. What happened 30 years ago that made the internet such a very dangerous place? 30 years ago, the world's first cyber attack took place, and it led to modern cybersecurity. And it's challenges. Ransomware. Has it really gone away? I revisit a Stuck in Traffic by J. Wolfgang Gorlick. And we play it. And I also have comments on that as I talk about an article from Trend Micro saying, yes, it has gone down but it could be making a resurgence. And my hunch, it may get a lot worse. Fillmore Productions, what are we going to do with this company? Fillmore Productions does not learn when to leave well enough alone as the company continues to trash its customers learn about the latest in segment number six in the seventh segment michael in indiana is along he is talking about volrail the social media app for the blind and visually impaired they are making some changes that were talked about in a previous podcast but yet they have recently released what they are going to do learn about it there Finally, cardless ATMs, your cell phone, SMS capability, 
in your login credentials, it equals profit. Learn about this new scheme. It's not new. There was an article in 2017, but yet it is now becoming more prevalent. And of course, our contact information is at the end of the podcast, but I'll quickly give it to you here. Email or iMessage, tech, T-E-C-H, at M-E-N-V-I dot O-R-G. Text or WhatsApp, 804-442-6975. And if you are listening to this via the bulletin boards on Livewire and Ground Zero, the box is 2276. And if you have other contact information, you are welcome to utilize that. Links to several various articles will be in our show notes. Available on the blog and the RSS feed. I hope you will come back next time for another edition of the podcast after you listen to this one. Let's go ahead and get started with this one with news about iOS version 12.1. My name is Jared Reimer, and this is Technology Podcast, podcast number 295. Podcast number 295. AppleVis is the site to go to for the blind community to look up and get information and discuss various aspects of the Apple product line, including iPhones, Apple Watch, and the Mac computer it posted a blog post that discussed iOS version 12.1 which has some improvements to accessibility where it has iOS with the 10 series and haptic feedback issues with braille displays and notifications on an iOS device with face ID and no passcode My tech blog at technology.jaredreimer.net has information with a link to the blog post 
on Applevis if you do not look at it on a regular basis. Applevis, like this blog, allow people to comment on anything that is posted. If you have any feedback in regards to iOS, of course you contact Apple and they will make sure to get it to the proper people. So once again, iOS 12.1 brings some fixes that might affect some people who use iOS. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. I'm going to do this on the road. Why? Because I read an article that I thought people would find of interest, but at the same time, I'm going to link to it in the show notes because I believe this piece of malware... And I say that loosely because I don't really understand it that well. Actually has new tricks. And I actually want to talk about it. Because of the fact that uh, this will more than likely affect uh, quite a lot of us if we are targeted. Um, This is still sent through uh, spam campaigns and it's called TrickBot and what it does is it is designed to steal banking credentials so when you log into your bank um, then it will go ahead and steal that and put it on a server for the thieves to have. Well, it is back in the news, and the article that I tweeted out that I'll go get and make sure that uh, it gets into the uh, links list talks about how this malware is updated to steal passwords from other programs. And The programs are a few that some of us in the blind community use. FileZilla and WinSCP, which Armando from Northern California recommended that we use, although I seriously need to get mine updated. I need to go over there 
grab the latest download and update it. Uh, it does notify us that there's an update, but then we have to go get it, and I've neglected to do that, so that's my doing. So if I get hit by this, then that's my issue. So I hope to get that resolved. Um, but I think it wouldn't matter because it hits it even with a fully patched program because it uh, basically steals your passwords. But FileZilla and WinSCP are not the only programs that it goes after to steal passwords. It also steals passwords from programs such as Firefox, Chrome, Internet Explorer, and Edge, the four major browsers on the Windows operating system. As far as Trend Micro is concerned, this particular update to this bot does not take from third-party password managers such as LastPass and 1Password and Trend Micro's offering. This is a new evolution, folks. Uh, this is one of those that probably should not have surprised me, but at the same time, um, I'm not surprised because of the fact that criminals can continue to make money off these things because there are always new people coming on the internet. And... Because of that, um, we are definitely in a pattern where things that had been known for a while are coming back. I think I remember Steve Gibson saying worms like Nimda and Code Red were still roaming around the internet looking for things to propagate with. I think I have talked about TrickBot in some earlier podcast some many years ago. And so, I try to keep up with these types of things because it is definitely something that we need to be aware of. So again, TrickBot is... Uh, back in the news as it can now steal your passwords from 
browsers and FTP clients. Now, what I haven't mentioned and I need to mention, and I kind of forgot about it until I was about to end the recording, but I better mention it before I go. That is that besides those platforms that I've already mentioned, Thunderbird, the popular email client that a lot of us in the community are using, is also a target. And so... It is going after programs that a lot of people use. I don't know too many people using WinSCP, but I do know a lot of people use FileZilla. And of course, how can you not use some form of web browser, such as Firefox, Chrome, IE, or Edge? You have to use a web browser to get on the internet. Okay, so that's very important. And email. Email is the gateway to your life today. So, email is important, and when you ask your program to log you in automatically, because otherwise every time it wants to check email, it's going to prompt you for your password, and that could cause some timeout and potential blocking issues if it tries and fails too many times. So you want the program to do that for you where you might have issues at first and your provider will help you if they if if they block you per firewall rule or however the system is set up. But once that's all set done Then this thing can swipe that, and then they have access to your email, and that could cause a lot of other problems. And speaking of email, um, I should have been looking at this more closely, but I saw somebody that I knew emailed me. It's like, oh, I haven't heard from them in a while. But I should have been tricked because while it wasn't a, a malicious email, it's like, yo, take a look at this, or I forget exactly what it said, and it gave me a URL. I looked at the uh, address, and it wasn't even close to the address that I may have on file, and so... 
you know, we all get bait like that, and luckily it wasn't, you know, that serious. It led to a website talking about uh, something or another, and you know how they hype up the news, but somebody else could have had that if I were infected by this, and uh, could have been in some serious uh, serious trouble. I could have lost a lot of email. Although it wouldn't have mattered because um, I don't have anything too terribly important except for newsletters in that particular account. But that's okay too. Anyhow, as I continue to go to my destination. I hope that each and every one of you enjoyed this and I will go ahead and continue with more of the podcast in a moment. This is Tech 295. the article reading department I've posted a bunch of stuff to the blog as of late with some thoughts and a couple of them I'm going to talk about as the podcast continues now the first one you just heard talking about TrickBot I did that as I was going to an appointment on a Saturday morning And this one that I'm going to talk about takes you back 30 years. Now, this is a very interesting story. And when I read it as I was going where I needed to go, It was something that is more of a teaching moment. And I'm not really going to talk about the article in full. But... We can take some things out of this article. There was a gentleman who was named in the article who wrote a program. And he put it out on the internet. He was looking to do something And the program got loose and he was charged with a law called the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act, CFAA. 
Now he works at a company and everything's well in the world. Right? He did his time. He paid some money. He did whatever time he needed to do. And now he's working in the working world. Alright? You can read all about it in full detail. And CyberScoop did a great job with it. This program, way back in 1988, even though the internet was very, very young, was the first program to be a denial of service attack headache. Today, lots of things can call a, den a denial of service attack They can call it a denial of service attack because it is sending traffic many different ways. And it now can look like it can come from anywhere that the person programming it wants it to be. So therefore... For example, it could come from my own IP if somebody had me run such a program. They could control that through a con uh, control server and they can then pin it on me and I could be in trouble for it, even though... I didn't know what it was. I thought it was something like they claimed it was to be. And this program by this gentleman, who I am personally not going to name, was the first of its kind. What can we learn? Well, first, people are now getting arrested for doing things on the internet that they're not supposed to do. We've seen it time and time again. Secondly, there's international cooperation in regards to this. And if the rules are right, you can then get picked up for causing havoc like the one gentleman in the article, which we'll link to in the show notes. And thirdly, I think we should try and thwart our efforts into doing something that will benefit the world. So, the article in question is entitled, 30 Years Ago, the World's First Cyber Attack Set the Stage 
for modern cybersecurity challenges. And as for the other file, the article is entitled TrickBot Shows New Trick Password Grabber Module. And these two can go hand in hand while I talked a little bit about TrickBot in the last file on my walk to my appointment. The two can go hand in hand. First of all, the cyber attacks continue, whether it's TrickBot, having people go and, and have you click on links. And when you go to your bank, that information is sent to attackers who can then do whatever they want to the denial of service attack that the article 30 years ago really goes in detail about. And this is something that we need to be aware of. And the teaching moment is this. And a lot of people that I've talked to are learning this. If you are not expecting something and it comes from somebody you trust, send them back an email. Hey, did you send this? Call them up on the phone. Hey, I got an email that says Right now, as the months have gone on since April's events in the podcast one month later that talked about my dad, I am hoping that in his new life. He will start to learn a little bit more about the internet and what is going on now. And he never could understand why his email, for example, took four hours or six hours to go from one place to another on the same network. And the fact of the matter is, is that it shouldn't, but we really don't have an answer except for the fact that there is so much email now, which includes all of the various types of phishing and other types of Trojans and anything else that is going to get delivered to anyone across the world. There's so much of that now that it is saturating mail servers and they must do something 
to hold on to mail until it can get it to its destination, even if it's locally from one network to the other. And I tried to tell him that I will look into it, but there's so much email going out now that even though it's local and it should be instantaneous, it's not anymore. It's just not. And if the worm from 1988 or Trojan or whatever it was, I don't remember now, if that is any, any indication of what could happen when the internet was small, when we only had dial-up connections and high speed was made for people who necessarily needed it, then we haven't seen anything yet. The fact of the matter is, is that what we're seeing now is an evolution that those people like my dad and Steve Gibson, who runs security now, and others in that generation have never seen before. And people like myself, and Herbie, and Michael in Indiana, and others that I talk to and work with, will see until the day we die. My podcast is going to live on, and my dad's domains are eventually going to expire and our lives will eventually move on, but I was only eight. Seven years old, going on eight in 1988, and I didn't do anything on the internet. The internet wasn't really known to me until the mid-90s, early to mid-90s. And in that time period, the fact of the matter is, is that a lot has changed with the internet. There are many new domains out there. There are domains out there that we've never heard of before. I talked about the fact that I got an email and it had somebody's name on it that I knew. And I opened it. It didn't hurt me to open it. And it had a link in it. And it didn't hurt me to look at the link. And it's this email that I've seen many, many times where I click on it. It has this, you know, story that says it's from CNN it talks about whatever it is but it's not CNN it isn't MSNBC it isn't KNX 1070 it isn't any legitimate news site and I looked at it and while it had the person's name 
it had a domain with the dot faith extension in it and I know that I don't do business that way I closed the web page it allowed me to close it and I was done that's all well and good folks but this type of attack and this type of curiosity is going to continue for a long time to come in fact I don't think DDoS is going anywhere. I think it's going to be around a very long time. And 30 years ago it started. TrickBot's only been around about 10 of those years. But we're going to see more evolutions to it and anything else that is out there. I mentioned Code Red and Nimda, which are long-lived worms that nobody talks about anymore, except it continues to be mentioned on the internet by Steve Gibson, who says, I bet you that we are still seeing traffic from these worms looking for other places to infect, even though these patches have been out there since they were created you still have got worms like Melissa and I love you and all sorts of of things that are probably still out there that have never died maybe they have maybe they haven't I don't know dad's been there for all of it I'm sure he has not gotten bit and he won't get bit now He will become smarter to the attacks today. If he's using the internet today, where he is now, he may become interested in articles like the one that I'm going to link to in the show notes, talking about how this gentleman was targeted for the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act and how he's now working at a company and how he paid a fine and did whatever time the article says and it paved the way for the worms and viruses and trojans and even ransomware today folks ransomware who would have ever thought of that 30 years ago all of this ties itself together into something that is now known as the security landscape and speaking of ransomware I gotta go find this video because Jay Wolfgang Gorlick talked about how ransomware was going away. But yet I recently saw an article that says differently. Let me go see what I can do about that as the podcast continues. 
I am Jared Reimer. This is Podcast 295. We'll continue with Jay Wolfgang Gorlick. Hey, hello. Here's Second Traffic with Wolf Gorlick. Human terrific and IT and IT security. Today looking at ransomware. Uh, live, live from a parking lot <laughs> at uh, Secure World Detroit. If you're at Secure World Detroit, come say hi. Um, if you would like, come to my session at about 1.15 today where I'll be talking about ransomware and, and digging into it. Um, but the tip for you is this. A lot of times we drive our security decisions around um, news, right? Around um, what's newsworthy, what's explosive, what's exciting, against headlines, gains momentum. There's some good reasons for that. However, we need to also make sure that we're actually looking at things that uh, are realistic and are reasonable. Uh, so the tip for you is this, in spite of all the buzz and hype around ransomware, uh, including of course city of Atlanta, which has gained everyone's attention even months afterwards, um, in spite of all that, ransomware seems to be on the decline. Statistics show that uh, anywhere from 40% to 60% of people being infected, depending on your antivirus, um, and that's where I'm getting these statistics from, as antivirus reports, uh, shows that that much of a decrease year over year on ransomware. Kind of interesting. Another thing to think about is, is keeping ransomware in perspective. Uh, cybercrime statistics show that uh, out of a $3 trillion you know, crime industry wave, uh, that's annual revenue in cybercrime, by the way, um, it's around $500 billion or half trillion goes to intellectual property theft. Makes sense. Uh, guard your secrets, guard your patents. Uh, another 160,000 or 160 billion, 160 billion goes to um, stolen credit cards, stolen data, that sort of thing. So half trillion for intellectual property, quarter trillion about for uh, stolen credit cards and personal data, ransomware billion. It's not as big as we are led to believe with all the flashy news. Now, I'm not saying don't think about ransomware. Patch your stuff. Back your stuff up. Patch your people. Awareness training, right? Um, do those things. We're good. Yes. Do those things. However, with any type of these types of attacks, with any type of vulnerability, with any time someone's like, oh no, this so-and-so got hacked. You have to do some risk calculations and you need to be informed about the statistics. And this is really eye-opening when you think about how much budget is going towards protecting against ransomware compared to all the other threats that are out there. Kind of interesting. What do you think is uh, should be the priority? Um, where do you think organizations should be focusing on? Hit me up in comments. Social media. Cheers. Thank you very much, Jay Wolfgang Gorlick, for that. And it is interesting. I'm, I am I listened to that, and when I went to go get it, YouTube said it was a month old. And things can definitely change. And I saw an article just recently, and I posted it. As something of interest, as I'm, I'm trying to get back into posting on my own blog again. And 
I believe I... There it is. Ransomware continues. How infections take place. And on that article, on that article, I didn't link to this because I didn't get a chance to do it, but Trend Micro does a good job talking about how this works. And, uh, there's only been a slight increase in 2018 and uh, it is going to be pervasive even if it's in the decline I think individuals enterprises and organizations and ransomware is no victim opportunity, right? So, it doesn't matter. I remember posting a story, I believe it was from NPR, where a woman got in contact with these people saying, look, this is what happened. I don't know what, I don't know the deal. They told her that the closest place to get Bitcoin was some 200 miles away. It was a snowstorm. She came back. She paid. The clock ran out. She contacted them and said, look, uh, there was a snowstorm. Uh, I did it the best I could. They said, no problem. Tech experts were not aware of ransomware, and that's why it was so successful and it continues to be successful today. But nowadays, even sending Bitcoin to these perpetrators will not necessarily get your data back. One of the things that I do is I run Dropbox. And all of my particular things that I need, including my documents, all of the recent podcast recordings from 2016 to the present, and so forth, I even have shared folders. All of that is backed up. I've gone through multiple drives, and it, if it wasn't for Dropbox, I would have lost a lot of data. A lot of it I would have been able to get back via my websites. But a lot of it I would have lost. And so I put everything in Dropbox. It gives me the freedom I need. Sure, I could pay for Google Drive and get a lot more space. They give you 15 gigabytes for free it says I'm using 14 but I know I'm not using 14 
I might have to empty the trash. Unless it empties itself, but I haven't found that. And so I'm gonna go I'm gonna go investigate whether I could just empty the trash and then see what is up because I don't think I'm missing anything now. It was luckily I didn't at one point because somebody was asking for a file and I think I deleted their folder which had a shared file in it and I went in the trash and I found it and restored it and they were able to get their file back. There's an item in this article from Trend Micro that leads to a report entitled Unseen Threats, Imminent Losses. So, in a way, I understand how J. Wolfgang Gorlick, who I respect, says that ransomware is on the decline. And it probably is. And that's necessarily neither a good or a bad thing because ransomware on the decline, while it's good, can probably mean only one thing. It's going to come back. So, there's definitely a decrease in ransom families. Which is good. And then we've got a new thing called Gand Crab, which is issuing phishing campaigns and malicious campaigns. And then after a drive-by download, a city is uh, affected by it. And so, it's an interesting read. I don't feel, personally, that we are out of the woods yet. Just because there's a decrease. And J. Wolfgang Gorlick does a great job explaining this. But I feel there isn't really a decrease. Because there's so many people out there and the fact that there's still a lot of people new on the internet, that doesn't necessarily mean that you are either a target or not. There are targeted attacks for ransomware and there are spear attacks Meaning that they're just going to throw the bait. If you spear at it, you know, you sink your teeth in it. All right, let's see what this is. You might get hit. Hook, line, and sinker, as they say. I personally think if there is a decline, which they're saying there is, then... We are definitely at a point now in our lives where we should start taking inventory and understanding what this is so that if it does make an increase next year, 
There won't be a lot of people hit because we will be taught what to look for. And understand, even if it's not exactly as we're taught, that we use what we've got to understand. Did we ask for this? What is this? Check the address. Do anything we can to make sure that it seems as legitimate as possible. Mistakes are going to happen. I've made them. We've all made them. But if we don't learn together, we are not going to improve the security landscape. Let me know your thoughts. Do you think ransomware has declined? Do you think it's on the rise? What have been your observations and article readings telling you? Please get in touch by sending me an email or an iMessage at tech at menvi.org. Text or WhatsApp 804-442-6975. Or you can find other information on how to contact me on my blog at technology.jaredreimer.net or through jaredreimer.net. That's J-A-R-E-D-R-I-M-E-R dot N-E-T. Speaking of security and other very interesting things, I think I've got a bombshell that could put a company in jeopardy. Coming up next, this is the Technology Blog and Podcast. This is podcast number 295. Fillmore Productions loves the absolute particulars of the public that give him bad publicity. I think that this is the beginning of Fillmore Productions' downfall. I posted an article, although I didn't put it under article commentary, I put it under like general updates or something, general thoughts and commentary or something on the blog. And I will talk about it a little bit. Not the article. No names. But the incident. Here goes. I was alerted to an incident where a customer emailed Fillmore Productions customer service to cancel one of their boxes because they did not want it anymore. People cancel service at any company for any reason at any time. Fillmore Productions sends an email saying, okay, we'll turn off the box. Whatever. Then, on their billing day, whenever that billing day is, they happen to call into the box and the box is still active. So they send an email and they said, you know, I asked for this box to be canceled and I'm wondering what's up. And in the email, while 
Fillmore Productions did say it was an oversight and that they've corrected the problem. They go ahead and trash the customer by saying that a certain individual was allowed access to the box without Fillmore Productions authorization. And his quote-unquote dirty pool machine is out to prevent such abuse of his system, of their system, or however you would like to categorize that. Dirty pool is a quote by Fillmore Productions customer service that was made up to make people feel bad. As I was talking to people in a conference last night, and last night for the record of the podcast will be November 3rd, 2018. We know that the box owner has the right to put whoever they want to have access the box. But Fillmore Productions has no idea about the hacking and other types of activities that go on. While internet hacking is a lot different than phone system hacking, the same principles could apply. You give somebody a password to your box, that somebody goes and deletes a bunch of stuff that was your personal stuff, that could be considered maybe vandalism. It's not considered a hack because of the fact that you gave them authorization. By Fillmore Productions now saying that the company needs to authorize people to use the box is absolutely wrong. As found out later, one other customer ended up canceling their box shortly after it was made public to the people that they were the target of that supposed dirty pool tactic. Again, no names here, folks. But this isn't the first time that Fillmore Productions has pulled this crap. And it won't be the last. As I wrote in an article that you will find on the technology blog and podcast website at technology.jaredreimer.net, this particular thing happens all the time with Fillmore Productions. The company has always made a mockery of themselves and their staff by doing things like this. And one of the things that was discussed was a mainstream company like Verizon or AT&T. If I called them and I said, you know what, I don't need your service anymore because I'm going over to this company 
I um, you know, I want to try and save some money, and I think this is the best thing for me. Now they could entice me to stay. They could give me a better deal that could last me a while, and I could choose to take it or not. But they are not going to send out an email to a customer and a customer is not necessarily going to go out to you know a general area whether it's on a phone line or a mall or some form of public area and make it known what the people are doing Fillmore Productions must forget that people like myself who do media work will find out about this type of thing. If the box owner gives permission to allow somebody in the box, it is not tampering. It is not hacking. It is authorized use, Fillmore Productions. It is the box owner's responsibility to follow the rules. It is inadvisable to give out your password, but if you trust somebody and they're there to help you do a certain task and they're doing it and there has never been a problem, then leave it alone. In a block quote on the article, I said, Dirty Pool a Fillmore Productions term. Nobody else in any phone system or company calls anything Dirty Pool. I believe that Fillmore Productions is in the wrong. And I think that because of the fact that Fillmore Productions customer service people do not supply customer service by telephone or any other means unless it's absolutely necessary, this will be its downfall because eventually there will be a big time conference line that will close its doors for whatever reason that we don't know of yet. And that conference line pays for a block of telephone lines. I think they run two different extensions of the Fillmore Productions pool of lines. You can get a block of numbers. And I don't know exactly what he charges, but this particular conference line pays for a block of phone numbers. And once that company closes its doors, because the conference line doesn't exist anymore for whatever that reason is, Fillmore Productions is going to hurt and he's going to up his prices again like he's done before. Livewire offers its services at $9 a month where you can get extra features that allow you to do other things that you can't get for free. And I will hopefully get 
that service at some point, but right now it's not possible. But I know one thing. I got off of Fillmore Productions for several reasons, one of which is the most important reason, and that is that I was hardly going out there and I wasn't willing to pay for something that I was hardly using. And until Fillmore Productions understands what's authorized and what's unauthorized, we will continue to have issues that are going to manifest itself like the one described in the article that I'm talking about here. At some point next year, my prediction will probably come true, although I can't say for sure. That is, that once this company that runs the major chat line that they pay for a whole block of telephone lines, once it closes, that's going to be the end of Fillmore Productions unless he raises his prices. Fillmore Productions, it must feel great to have your particular system name being used in a light that may not necessarily have you look good. Don't you think you would have better luck by doing something that we would feel happy to publicize, such as your upload tool getting an upgrade? Or your system getting an upgrade to the point where it doesn't feel so sluggish? I continue to hear reports that the system still is very, very slow today. You may say there's not a problem. But there are users still telling me to this day that the system is a problem. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please feel free to contact me about this issue. You're welcome to go and get the article off the blog. But I think that this is another misstep of Fillmore Productions. And this is definitely going to end up biting you where you do not want to be bit. Oh boy. I cannot believe what I heard when that story came out. Podcast 295 will continue in just a moment. Here is a Volrail update from Michael in Indiana. All right. Um, Jared, here is the information, the most information on the Vorel uh, subscription. So when this goes to general release, it is currently in beta form. When it goes to general release, the model will be monthly price, $4.95 per month, billed as an in-app purchase through Apple iTunes. Um, you can also do an annual subscription as well, billed through an in-app purchase using Apple iTunes. 
<clears throat> the price for that is $49.99 for one year. This uh, $49.99 for one year is include a two-month discount. So you basically get two months for free if you go the yearly route. Um, I don't know that I will go the yearly route. I will be subscribing for a while. And future updates, when I feel there's a need for one, will come. And you'll be able to include them in your podcast, as you wish. Um, when I feel there's a notable change or something new that's going to happen that I feel is worth uh, reporting, then, you know, we'll uh, definitely be able to do so. Yeah, but as far as for right now... That is the newest update. That is all I have. Thank you, Michael, in Indiana, for that update. We hope that the subscription goes well for you. However, we know things will change. If there's any other updates, we'll be happy to receive them and pass them along to the subscriber base of this podcast. This is Podcast 295 of the Technology Blog and Podcast Series, and I'm Jared Reimer. I'm going to start this segment of the podcast off with a question. everybody I hope that you've enjoyed the content as much as I have had putting it together for you we covered iOS 12.1 which I recently installed I cover the announcement that it's out and what it fixes for those of us who use assistive technology, as far as I'm aware. And of course, there might be a lot more <clears throat> that it fixes that we don't have coverage of. TrickBot and its new tricks, and it's not Halloween. 30 years ago, the world's first cyber attack hit the stage for DDoS attacks. My comments on a ransomware article that differentiates a little bit. I start out the segment with stuck in traffic. Ransomware on the decline and while it was on the decline I talk about an article from Trend Micro that says, yes, but, so we covered that. We also covered Fillmore Productions in this podcast. They seem to always love the negative press, and this time, 
somebody who wanted to cancel, they pretty much were told about what Fillmore Productions calls Dirty Pool. Michael in Indiana provided us a Vorail update, and I ended the program with cardless ATMs, SMS, and the way you log in. So that's how this podcast went. But we've got plenty more, folks. We've got plenty more, but I have to get out of here now because the podcast must come to an end. So let me give out my contact information and we'll have articles linked to the podcast. Here's how to contact me. If you have email or iMessage, Please send a message to tech, that's T-E-C-H, at M-E-N-V-I dot O-R-G. If you are on WhatsApp, or you would like to text message me, and you do not have iMessage capability, please send it to the phone number, 804-442-6975. And if you are on Livewire or Ground Zero and you are listening to the podcast through the bulletin boards, board 295 on Livewire and 224 on Ground Zero, please drop a message in my mailbox at 2276 or post your comments on the bulletin boards. And if you have other personal contact information for me, you may utilize that information to get in contact with me. Coming up, we are going to be talking about Braille transcription, but not in the fashion that I have been doing it. We're going to take a different light into Braille transcription. Yes, I did use a lesson that I need to submit to the Braille transcribing folks for grading, and that will happen in turn. Coming up in the next podcast, you are going to learn about the struggles that I have come into, and we demo the various different modes and talk about the program that I have chosen in more detail. So that'll be coming up. So stay tuned for that.
until then, I hope that you have enjoyed the podcast. And I will be back next time with another edition coming soon.